This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. A Chinese-owned battery plant in Michigan eligible for U.S. subsidies? The money is supposed to boost domestic clean energy manufacturing and reduce U.S. dependence on China especially for solar panels and electric car batteries. So why are these Chinese companies reaping benefits from American taxpayer funds? We dive in for an explanation. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. $400 billion. That's how much the Biden administration is spending to push America's transit toward clean energy. This money aims to boost domestic clean energy manufacturing so that the U.S. can reduce dependence on China for solar panels and electric car batteries. But now Chinese companies are looking to get a piece of the pie and they're on the move. NTD's Juliet Song explains how these Chinese companies could benefit from Washington's subsidies. One after another, Chinese companies are setting up factories across America, and they might be eligible for Washington subsidies. Three Chinese solar panel makers are in the process of building plants, one in South Carolina, another in Ohio, and one in Arizona. Beyond solar panels, Chinese battery makers are eyeing Michigan for their new plants. Their China-based Goshen is planning to build a plant to produce lithium-ion batteries used in electric cars. Also in Michigan, another Chinese battery maker called Cattle is working with Ford to set up a battery plant. And it's good business, and it's good for our customers. It's unclear how much in subsidies these Chinese companies can get, but the state of Michigan has already approved almost $2 billion of incentives for the two battery plants. Those are our tax dollars, um, and they're, they're being spent regardless of how the constituents' residents feel on how those tax dollars are spent. Julie Reynolds has lived in West Michigan for over 20 years. She's also the content director for Muskegon County Conservative Women's Caucus, a local political action committee. I don't think that we need to bring that in, invite that in, give them tax incentives to come over here when we're essentially fighting a battle with, with China on many different levels. So I don't understand why we are um, bolstering up our enemies, uh, so to speak, instead of choosing a company that would better America, that would um, help our citizens and hold true to our values. She's concerned that China-based Goshen would bring in Beijing's ideals and infiltrate the local community. They don't exactly have a good track record for treating people well, and their ideals are not the same as our ideals, and their constitution is not the same as our constitution. The Chinese battery plant is facing strong pushback. Two weeks ago, local residents held a rally protesting Goshen's investment plan. Alongside the troubles above, they are also concerned about pollution. On the other hand, supporters of the Goshen plant are boasting about the economic benefits, saying it would bring over 2,300 jobs over the next decade. Though Reynolds says some residents hold a different view. They feel like these are empty promises for jobs just to try to get the community on board and supporting Goshen coming in. 
a former U.S. ambassador to the Netherlands, says if Michigan is willing to hand out almost $2 billion to companies who want to create jobs, there are other options. I think there are lots of people in America, there are lots of people and companies in countries that are allied with us, whether it's in Europe, whether it's uh, Korea or Japan or Australia, that are more than willing to put together proposals to take advantage of that one to two billion dollars. Pete Hoekstra is a former congressman who represented Michigan's second congressional district. He's been warning about Chinese companies taking advantage of U.S. green energy goals. This is <clears throat> critical infrastructure for our supply chain, batteries. And we're very concerned about outsourcing this to Chinese companies, in effect, outsourcing it to the Chinese Communist Party. Hoekstra noted the Inflation Reduction Act has loopholes that could be taken advantage of by Chinese companies. One example is Ford's plant battery factory. The automaker said the plant would use technology and services from Chinese battery maker Cattle to produce the batteries. Ford said, well, you know, <clears throat> we're not partnering with them. We're, the, we're just licensing their technology. Uh, that's to get around loop. That's around trying to get around the rules and find a loophole that allows them to become eligible today. Ford's new plant is projected to get over a billion in tax credit under the Inflation Reduction Act. That's because a Ford subsidiary, an American company, would own the factory. Hoekstra explained that lawmakers are trying to identify these loopholes and close them. As for Julie Reynolds, she hopes officials will step back and think twice about the decision before it's too late. And what if we bring in these companies and they decide to change the rules halfway through and then it's too late? They're established, they're on our land, they already have influence, maybe they're bringing in their own people. You know, what are we going to do about it then? She added that lawmakers pursue projects that sound promising, like green energy, but that every action and decision affects something else. Goshen did not respond to NTD's request for comment before airtime. Ford responded but didn't comment on the issue. Juliet Song, NTD News. More on this shortly. Our interview with Michigan Congressman John Molinar comes after the break. An alleged Chinese police station secretly operating in New York City is getting attention. And now a victim is speaking out. The FBI recently arrested two men for allegedly running a Chinese police station in downtown Manhattan. They reportedly used the office as a base to track down Chinese dissidents in the U.S. NTD reached out to an activist to learn more about his experience. Here's how the FBI described the details. According to court papers, in March 2022, Beijing ordered one of the arrested New Yorkers to locate a Chinese dissident in California. The target is believed to be pro-democracy activist Gu Bidong. Over the past few years, I have been under numerous attacks from the Chinese Communist Party. They are most likely searching for me. Back then, Ge was campaigning for Xiong Yang, a Chinese-American activist, in his bid for Congress. Xiong was a leading figure in the 1989 Tiananmen student protests. The event remains a highly sensitive topic in China. Ge briefed the FBI in detail about what he believed to be harassment by Chinese Communist Party agents. In April 2020, a man threatened to kill him in a Facebook message. 
A few days later, his car burst into flames while driving on California Highway 57. Another highway collision ensued in June. The New York District Court complaint alleges that these agents join American communities through social media. They are tasked with spreading communist influence and harassing or threatening human rights activists. Ge called it a typical Trojan horse tactic. They are using the American democratic system to attack freedom and democracy in America. They are the CCP's hitmen working for its interest overseas. Ge mentioned that in 2019, the Chinese consulate in Los Angeles organized several events to mark the anniversary of the day the Chinese Communist Party took power. Activists showed up to protests, but were threatened that they would be blocked from returning to China and that their families in China would be harmed. The fate of the arrested Lu Jianwang and Chen Jinping proved one thing. That is, no matter how many evils you do for a totalitarian regime in the world, what can you get out of it? Your ending is obvious, isn't it? The Chinese Security Bureau set up a wide network of police outposts around the world, claiming to help overseas Chinese. But according to human rights group Safeguard Defenders, they are actually spying on and intimidating dissidents of the communist regime. At least 100 similar outposts operate in more than 50 countries. Their believed targets are mainly Uyghur Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, followers of the spiritual practice Falun Gong, and human rights activists. What does fate have in store for Taiwan? Lawmakers are trying to answer just that. The House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party spending two and a half hours to simulate a Taiwan invasion. They walked away determined to warn American businesses of an impending crisis. Committee Chairman Congressman Mike Gallagher saying ahead of the war game, the business community is not taking the threat of a Taiwan crisis seriously enough. Even with two and a half hours, the bipartisan group of lawmakers didn't finish the war game. But they said it highlighted just how high the stakes are, from the economy to U.S. weapons supplies and the importance of agreements with U.S. allies in the region. This comes as tensions rise over the Taiwan Strait. China's foreign minister saying openly for the first time that both sides of the Taiwan Strait belong to mainland China. Those waters are viewed as open waters under international law, with 21 percent of global trade passing through them. Qing made the remarks in Shanghai, where he discussed a wide range of topics, debt, the global economy, the Ukraine crisis and Taiwan. Those who play with fire on the Taiwan issue will eventually get themselves burned. China recently held military exercises around the self-ruled island. That's after Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen met with U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy in California. Beijing views democratically governed Taiwan as its own territory. That's despite never having ruled it. Taiwan, meanwhile, warning of escalating threats from its communist neighbor. Taiwan's foreign minister saying he's preparing for a possible China conflict in 2027. This comes as U.S. intelligence says Xi Jinping has ordered the country's military to be ready to take over Taiwan by 2027. Xi has stressed the Taiwan issue since he came to power in 2012. With that going on, Taiwan is taking action to shore up its defenses. The island seeing a surge in companies pulling investment out of China. 
Bloomberg reports that new Taiwanese investments in China went down by 10% year-on-year to around $750 million. That's according to data by Taiwan's Investment Commission Thursday. Taiwanese companies used to be among the biggest investors in the world's second-largest economy. But that's been on the decline since the Trump administration. And while Taiwanese companies pull back on China investments, the island is increasing its defense readiness. First responders from various departments practicing emergency scenarios after a simulated Chinese attack on one of Taiwan's outlying islands. The annual pre-planned series of drills were modified to include elements of warfare that submit the war in Ukraine in a heightened sense of threat from neighboring China. The drill's standard goal is to raise readiness for natural disasters and other emergencies. But even more exercises are set for the region. Three naval drills by China are scheduled one after another. They'll last for one week and will be held in the South China Sea near Taiwan. The first one kicking off Friday, with the last one slated to wrap up next Thursday. As tensions between China and Taiwan rise, China remains the island's biggest trading partner. In 2022, nearly 40 percent of Taiwan's exports were sent to China. And in the tech sector, Taiwanese company TSMC, the world's largest contract chipmaker, got 15 percent of its first quarter revenue from the Chinese market, up from 12 percent the previous quarter. TSMC produces both high-end and low-end microchips. The chips sold to China are less advanced and don't fall under Washington's ban on sending chips made with cutting-edge U.S. know-how to China. North America is TSMC's biggest market, making up more than 60 percent of its revenue. The U.S. is seeking constructive and fair economic ties with China including cooperation on climate. But the U.S. says it won't compromise on concerns. This is how Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen laid out the U.S. approach to China on Thursday. Here's what she had to say in her speech at Johns Hopkins University. We seek a constructive and fair economic relationship with China, and we should work together when possible for the benefit of our countries and the world. Yellen drew a picture of how the U.S. views communist China. In recent years, I've also seen China's decision to pivot away from market reforms toward a more state-driven approach that has undercut its neighbors and countries across the world. This has come as China is striking a more confrontational posture toward the United States and our allies and partners, not only in the Indo-Pacific, but also in Europe and other regions. Disputes aside, Yellen also listed two major areas where the United States and China, quote, must work together. And climate change is at the top of that list. Another challenge is the deaths that developing countries are facing. We must work together to help emerging markets and developing countries facing debt distress. China is the world's largest creditor, but is reluctant to relieve those debts. It is served as a roadblock for necessary action. One of Yellen's talking points focused on China's aggressive efforts to acquire technology and know-how, including through intellectual property theft. Yellen added Washington would not compromise on those concerns, even when it means forced trade-off with U.S. economic interest. 
a second Apple store is coming to India. The company's CEO met with Indian Prime Minister for a rare, high-profile reception. The trip highlights Apple's growing ambitions in India and efforts to distance itself from the Chinese market. Here's the latest. It's a dream come true, literally. Apple is not the Apple's second retail store in India is now in business, as doors to Apple Sackett opened in the capital, New Delhi, on Thursday. Apple CEO Tim Cook is in India this week to open the first physical stores in the country, making a milestone for Apple in the world's second largest smartphone market. As part of his visit, Cook met with the Indian Prime Minister and the country's IT minister. Cook says Apple is committed to growing and investing across the country. Apple has been trying to make India a bigger manufacturing base. It assembles mainly through iPhones in India through Taiwan contractors. But plans to expand into iPads and AirPods as it looks to cut reliance on China. It's also trying to capture the market as Indian consumers increasingly look to upgrade the devices. Still, Apple's pricey iPhones are affordable by only a few in India, where it has a market share of just 3%. In January, India's trade minister said Apple wanted the country to account for up to 25% of its production versus about 5 to 7% now. Coming up, Chinese companies benefiting from U.S. tax dollars. And it's happening in the name of clean energy. A new Chinese-owned battery plant is set to break ground in Michigan. We spoke to Congressman John Molinar to break down how the plan came to fruition. More after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A new battery plant is coming to Michigan, and the company building it is owned by a Chinese parent company. To top it all off, the project is eligible for U.S. subsidies. Congressman John Molinar from Michigan shares his concerns and breaks down the relationship between the Chinese Communist Party and the so-called private sector in China. Congressman John Molinar, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So recently in Michigan, there's these battery projects being built, and there's hundreds of millions of dollars on the line, but there's some controversy around it in terms of ties to China. So what are these ties to China? Well, the parent of the company is Goshen High Tech, which is based in China. And uh, right in its articles of association, it says that the company and its subsidiaries have a responsibility to the Chinese party Communist Party and to set up operations that support those efforts and to support the CCP's constitution. And in terms of the Goshen project, you actually represent the area of Michigan where this project will be. So what are your specific concerns around it? Well, I think anytime you have a partnership with the Chinese Communist Party in any way, it adds a tremendous amount of risk, both an economic risk as well as a military and national security risk. And uh, we see China uh, float balloons over our country, and those weren't simply errant uh, balloons, weather balloons. They were um, highly sophisticated balloons that were spying on military operations. And when you consider how they stonewalled with respect to COVID, didn't help us identify the origins of that, as well as these recently uh, two 
uh, Chinese uh, CCP affiliated people in New York who are residents there arrested because they set up uh, spying stations, uh, police stations to intimidate dissidents of the Chinese Communist Party. So you can see they're very active in this country and uh, we need to be vigilant in protecting our national security. And on that note, in terms of this project, the Wall Street Journal has reported that the U.S. military is training Taiwanese forces at Camp Grayling, which is about 100 miles from this project. So how do you read that proximity? Well, that's a concern as well. We are National Guard. We are partnering with uh, Taiwanese uh, military leadership to make sure they can defend themselves from a possible invasion from the Chinese uh, military operation. And so the idea that we're going to have a uh, ownership of a, you know, a company within 100 miles that has an affiliation and a duty uh, to respond to the Chinese Communist Party, that is a concern. And Congressman, it seems in terms of Chinese companies, there are no private companies. Each company has a Chinese Communist Party or CCP party branch. In terms of these projects on U.S. soil, could we actually see CCP members involved? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Xi Jinping has put himself in charge of what they call the military-civil fusion, which basically says every business, you know, we have a separation between our private sector and our public sector. That doesn't exist in China. Everything is subservient to the party, to the Chinese Communist Party. So anytime you have, you know, there's a myth that there's this Chinese private sector. It is simply a tool of the leadership in China for whatever their economic military purposes are. And given those concerns, it seems the FBI has said they're opening a new China-related case every 12 hours. And in terms of Michigan, we are seeing also the Ford project with Cattle, which is another Chinese battery company. What should be done about this? Well, I think, first of all, our private sector needs to realize that they are taking tremendous risks to rely on an unreliable partner in the future. And, and uh, you know, I believe there are technologies. There, are, there is innovation going on around the world where we don't have to become dependent on China. And we've seen when countries do become dependent on China, it leaves them very vulnerable. And so I think our private sector needs to recognize that. Some do. We met with uh, Tim Cook from Apple, who is diversifying where they manufacture. Other, other companies are doing the same. I think we need to do that with respect to where we manufacture as well as, as where we do research and who we partner with. And Congressman bringing up Tim Cook, it seems he just opened a new Apple store in India, so there is some movement away from China. But returning to Michigan, it seems Governor Whitmer is very happy about these partnerships with Chinese companies in terms of bringing more jobs to the area. What do you make of that argument? Well, I don't think it's wise to bet our economic future in Michigan on the Chinese Communist Party and their objectives around the world. They, are, they have a 50-year plan to become dominant, both militarily as well as economically, and they are not looking out for America's interests. We should be partnering with friendly nations, uh, nations that we can work with that respect rule of law, that are transparent. You know, just one example. Uh, one of the biggest problems we have in this country is fentanyl coming across our southern border with the Mexican cartels, you know, making this fentanyl. 
the Chinese are developing and using the precursors, the chemicals that make that fentanyl and sending them to the cartels. And they deny doing this, but we know it factually that that's happening. What they say is they aren't aware of that. But you realize that China has a surveillance state. They know everything going on with the citizens there. And the idea that they're ignoring it means they're complicit in that. And we should never be partnering with a company or a country that's complicit in really killing our young people. Congressman Molinar, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.